Welcome to the Monsters of Talk. I'm Margaret Cho. And I'm Jim Short. Hello. Hello. We're, we're here by ourselves today. We don't have a guest today, which is, it's a nice thing because we have, I feel like I haven't talked to you in months. I know. Doesn't it feel like after the holidays and all the, all the people have gone, the guests have gone and you go, oh, we can sit down for a second and... I know and breathe. Uh, it's it's yeah. a relief. It's, it's right. wonderful. We had such a great time with all our guests. It's great. Well, it's nice to have other people come in, but we've had a full, a full bunch of like fantastic guests. Yeah. So yeah. it is, it is now we sit down and we go, okay, it's just us. <laughs> yeah. What do we do? The kids have left. What do we the do now? Have, well, I have some bad news for you. And this is, Uh-oh. this is what I read. Uh, this is why we should always like... I don't know. We should always shield our eyes when there's a spoiler alert for Downton okay. Abbey. Oh, yes. Okay. Do, are you ready for this? This is upsetting to me. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think I think we should we should both talk about this. O'Brien is leaving. Oh, no. That actress. I don't even know her name. <laughs> she's she's the, the lady that plays O'Brien. To me, she's O'Brien. She's O'Brien. O'Brien is leaving. That old bitch. That old bitch, O'Brien, is leaving Downton Down Abbey. And we're not going to see any of her. At, at she, They are going to have her uh, leave in between seasons. Oh, so, she, so there's no kind of cheers, no, there you go, here's your notice, whatever, gone. There's no um, There's no sort of like goodbye, there's no death scene. Nothing. There's no... No um, side of the road, blood trickling down. <laughs> but, the, you know, there, there's nothing like that. She's just going to be... Um, just going to be who, who explained away. Who did she away. piss off? Did did she did she give some grief to old Julian, J- jolly old Julian fellas? Jolly old Julian. He's a he's a Julian fellas. Well, he's a Julian fellas. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's. I don't know. I you know it is one of those things where I think when actors become very successful in a television series, they feel trapped by uh, that television series, yeah. and they want to get out and do movies. I think famously this happened to David Caruso in NYPD Blue, mm-hmm. um, where he was very adamant about having a film career after the very, very big success of that show. And um, so he left that, that show to pursue um, sort of this noirish film kind of thing, but he could never really recapture it. I mean, he was so loved as sort of this, this television right. cop. As that as that that character that yeah. it just never got bigger. How many movies did he do? He did uh Jade. Oh, that's not a very good movie. That either. which is um kind that, of a basic instinct type it, of it, it, yeah, it was the same I think it was like the same production team. I think that was sort of like the uh it was sort isn't it? That, sort of like it was like basic instinct Jade and then Showgirls. I think it was like all those <laughs> <laughs> that's their that's their that's trilogy. Like, yeah, I wanna say it's like I don't even know who it was, like Joe Esterhaus or... I'm yeah, not sure. I, I think Esterhaus was involved because yeah. he was that kind of guy that was that big, Yeah, we're going to make these these kind of movies. These huge I, blockbuster <laughs> sexual thrillers, which yeah, are this, really the unsexy. sort of set in... Was that was Jade in San Francisco I think it well? was in San Francisco and there I was something... I don't even remember in, this movie. I only remember that Angie Everhart was in it and she was really um, orange-haired. And uh, then I think there was some some sort of thing. I thought there was going to be Asian people because it was called Jade, but I don't believe there were. No, <laughs> they were all doing Joy Luck Club at that time. They right? were all except they, they couldn't I, get anyone. Everybody was doing the Joy Luck Club except for me. <laughs> <laughs> you were the only one left out of it, right? I was the only one left out of the Joy Luck Club, and I was so furious. I really? Could, I could well, not really. I mean, I was upset, but. Definitely, um, I'm a fan of that movie and all the people in it. No but calls. It's, it's great to see Asian people in movies. So I, I've been down this week all sort of a little bit sick. And so what I've been doing is I've been watching Korean films. Okay. Because I'm trying to learn the language enough 
where I could go there and possibly do a show in really? Korean. Like just do a whole show? Yes. I think, I, I, I can't really speak Korean, but I know that when I watch the movies, I can understand what they're saying. Because I, I have this weird history in, in Korean language that my family is from Korea. Mm -hmm. And um, when they emigrated to the United States and I was born, my father was deported. And then that was a really terrible thing. When he finally returned to the United States, um, he was really adamant about me not speaking Korean because he did not want me to be perceived as a foreigner. So, um, it, and th that, that led to me understanding it. I, he spoke to me in Korean, Korean, but I had to speak back to him in English. And um, so it was really confusing because I could translate it all. And when you're young like that, languages are pretty easy. Yeah, It's a weird thing. Like my mind was open enough where I could really capture the language, but I had such a fear of speaking because I thought that I was going to lose my dad. You right. know, like I thought right. if I speak this language then he will have to leave again. And oh, that wow. is so scary, you know, and it's such a, a hard thing to like kind of have all that responsibility as a kid, you know, and I think it's kind of inappropriate for my family to do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? I mean, it was this terrible thing. You like kind of crippled me in a sense. Uh, yeah. But also um, because of that, it really did kind of seal my fate as an American. You know, they always talked to me and acted as if the, I was an American and that I needed to differentiate myself from being Korean. You know, the Korean people have a lot of pride and a lot of um, kind of ethnic pride and national pride, but my family was really like, no, you're American, you're, have to, you're gonna have to be American, you're gonna be the American in the family. You're gonna be the one that gets us to, to stay, that, that, that keeps us here. Yeah, that, that's pressure right there. Like, you gotta keep us yeah. stuck. You gotta, you gotta you to keep us uh, in the place. You're, yes. the, you're the one that, you're gonna do the talking. Yes. So, um, in a sense, I did all the talking, you know, I did all the translating for my um, grandparents. My grandparents also had a language issue, too, because my grandfather spoke uh, fluent Japanese and in Korea worked for um, the Japanese government at one time for, um, he was a train conductor. And so wow. um, he was considered a great, great um, trader to all the people in the community because he spoke Japanese. At one point, we had a Japanese name. And, you know, there would... See, my, my family, they're really like... They'll just do anything. You know, they don't really... <laughs> they don't care. They just want to succeed, right? <laughs> they just want to succeed. Well, they don't want to survive. They have a pretty great survival instinct in the yeah. family. So um, my grandfather was actually, in a lot of ways, much more um, comfortable with speaking Japanese. And... Um, kind of because he was considered a traitor for that, there was all these, there were all these weird language things and weird secrets that were never really divulged, but they all had to do with um, their, their comfort in language and how they were going to speak and how are they going to present themselves. And a, a slight distrust of being Korean just because it sort of saw them to a lot of hard times. Right. So anyway, my situation, I'm trying to rectify this by possibly trying to unlock this, this idea that I can't speak Korean and actually speak it and go to Korea uh, and try to do a show. And oddly enough, Tom Rhodes <laughs> was the person who <laughs> suggested that I do it because oh, he yeah. does comedy all over the world. Like he does right. Malaysia and, um, you know, everywhere, Singapore. And he's very, very internationally, very well, I don't know, well-traveled, well-known. Well-traveled, he performs all over. Although he's mostly performing to... English speaking, probably Australian English mm -hmm. expat type people in those countries. Yes. He's not learning that language. No, no. 
but he's he's definitely um, representing. I mean, he's definitely you know he had lived abroad and you know was doing comedy in Amsterdam for yeah, a long time. Yeah, he in was English the Amsterdam and, guy for ages. Um, when I did a show in Amsterdam a couple months ago, it was really crazy because they uh, had a had a, it was very nice, very great audiences, but they had a smoke machine set up that was blowing right on my face. <laughs> smoke machine. Smoke machine. And, you know, because they wanted to set, I guess, a sense of, um, I don't know, maybe uh, drama. Yeah. And uh, mystery. And maybe some magic will happen. But it was something re- billowing. Mystical. Just all this smoke. Like, was, like you're in a, like you're in a, in a, in like some kind of like Lord of the Rings yes. type uh, setting. It like, in a, like, in a, like, you know, being a swamp or something. Like you're going <laughs> to come in contact with the creature from the Black Lagoon. But it was very, um, it was very upsetting that the, the the smoke was blowing in my face, and so I dealt with it for the whole show. And I did two shows back to back, but it was really like um, maybe a good hour and a half blowing in my face for the first show, and then I had a tantrum in between shows, and had them remove the smoke. Turn off this goddamn smoke machine. I had a total tantrum about it, which I I don't usually ever have that, but I couldn't literally couldn't breathe, but. Um, that's is, all I remember. About isn't that it show. weird though that people sort of people f- we like to like rock it up a bit sometimes in comedy. Uh huh. Like we like to think that we're we've got the abandon of of all those people, those bands and touring, but it's not the same thing at all. Mm-mm. So a smoke machine is completely ridiculous in comedy. Yes. It's the stupidest thing, but people definitely use them. I've yeah. seen them. I've seen them out. I've actually seen the one person that I do know who does four language shows who's great is Eddie Azard. Oh, yeah. He uh, will learn French so that he can go to France and perform. Right, right. Which is very admirable. I, I, do you know if he's done that with other, other languages? I think I read somewhere he was trying to do something in, um, in some Nordic tongue. Oh, my I goodness. Think, that seems like I'm it would be sure. hard. I might have, might, have, might, have, might have thought that. I just wanted to say Nordic tongue. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's very, he's very much like that. And maybe even in Austria, too. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, I. He, but he's very much like, let me get in there and learn this stuff, and mm-hmm. and, and and, but yeah. It, the, but the point of it is too. It's like it must be hard though, because to have such a fluent uh, um, grasp of a language, mm-hmm. to not only speak it, but to then deliver humor, right? Which is so sometimes it's so precise with the language. Yes. yes. That how would you not get lost somewhere along the way? Yes. In in just you know in the timing and the delivery of it, which yeah. would, would be it's hard enough sometimes in your own. It's hard enough in English to say it like when you screw it up. Yeah. But but you know just to get that thing right because it's not like can you go do a bunch of gigs in French or a bunch of gigs in 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 Swedish to like oh these are my warm up gigs yeah you know where these people are just looking at you like she doesn't know what she's talking about he's he's not sure what the, these <laughs> words are how do you because you just got to go I'm doing a gig in um, in Iceland. Yeah. So here we go. Yeah. And just, just try your hand at it. But, you know, and then I, I always wonder, am I a hack in another language? What, what if I'm really hacking? Wouldn't hacky? that depend just on the material or the translation or something? I, I Don't guess you have so. To, do you have to have somebody translate the jokes then? Well, I've actually performed a, a lot in France and a lot in Germany now. Uh-huh. And um, they all speak English. So right. it's really, uh, it's not been an issue Um uh, in in fact, you know, it would be weird if I think I attempted French or if I attempted German because that's not what they they want. <laughs> exactly. They they want the me that they've seen on 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 you know YouTube and all that. You know, they want 
um, American made. But in Korea, it's definitely something that they don't have. You know, they they're, that Korean stand-up comedy exists, but it's yeah. not really the same. It's really um, much more about like kind of television stuff and maybe um, it, it's not as raw and not as uh, accepted as an art form. So I think it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be fairly new and yeah. mind-blowing for them over there. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, with um, just the, the idea that... Uh, you know, somebody really does have a grasp of the language, but hasn't really been able to speak. So it's kind of weird. It's a little bit like, um, I don't know, I'm trying to unlock something that I know exists, but it's been pretty traumatic and hard to figure out why I, or how I can do it. Mm. But it's weird how much I know, how much I understand. And would you would you get material specifically for them or would you do a bit of like a bit of some new stuff that's tailored to that audience yeah. and a lot of what you've been doing anyway? or I think so. I think what I would do is I would pr- try to just take a lot of like material that I know is really kind of maybe that I've been doing for a long time mm-hmm. that's sort of signature to me and then and then try to translate that and then also translate things like, um, you know, that I know that I- I'm just kind of confused about. Right. And also the other thing I would like to do in South Korea is I would like to get a whole brand new face because that is the biggest country, the biggest more people have plastic surgery in South Korea than anywhere in the world. Really? Yes. It's, it's something like one in five people have, have pretty major plastic surgery. And it's really, um, it's so huge that, you know, people just don't, almost don't look like themselves anymore. Everybody has a really weird kind of like a, a sort of, um, they, they all look like the same kind of person. Right. Like they're all getting kind of the same face and they're all getting like these enlarged eyes and these sort of like um, these facial procedures will the very popular to erase a lot of the, um, I think, genuine racial characteristics, which mm-hmm. are, um, you know, an almond eye or a hooded eye or um, so that blepharoplasty is very popular, which is when they change um, the eyelid and make it into like a double eyelid. Which is, uh, you know, they westernize your eye. Right, right. And the other thing that's popular in Korea is they um, shave down your jawbone and so that your face is no longer round. Because most Koreans have like a round face. And Uh that's a very, I I don't know, it's something that is perceived as sort of a negative thing. And they would like to look like more like, I don't know, more like white people. It's very strange. So I would like to just get a whole brand new face while I'm at it. So you're going to go over there and you're going to speak Korean. You're going to do shit. But isn't that weird? You're going to go there to speak Korean yet get your whole look changed <laughs> and c- you're going to come back speaking Korean but looking completely like a, a different person. I will look completely different and then I will do um, my own version of The Wrestler. <laughs> but I'll have, still have Todd Berry in it. you still have Todd Berry in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah good, Todd Berry good, good. will still be in it. He'll, he'll play the same part. Playing Todd Berry as Todd Berry. <laughs> as Todd Berry. <laughs> he really stretched himself in that one. It was so good. But he's so Todd Berry. He's so Todd Berry. It's great to see him in movies all the time. And Patton. Yes. It's exciting to see them both in movies because they are so them. But so you really think you'll go get your face changed? No, I'll never do that. That, that would that I, would be I like would be that would go cool to go uh, like check into it though, like just check it out and talk to people. Well, they you know just it, I have been to a consultation. I had to I had to do it for um, this reality thing that I did a long time ago, and I went in and I I went in with all the self confidence, like I didn't want to change anything. And to this Beverly Hills uh, sort of like very famous plastic surgeon. And then he just said all these things that were really insulting. Yeah, yeah. And I just felt terrible when I left. Like, <laughs> I was just like, I have to fix so much shit about myself. And and really, I mean, that's what plastic surgery is. They're just telling you there's certain things that are wrong with you and that are, you know, they're going to improve your life. And because they're a doctor, you kind of believe it. Mm-hmm. And um, to, I don't know. To me, I don't even go to the doctor when I have to. 
Right. So this is like, it's like too hard for me to go when I don't have to. Right, when it's not necessary. Right. Well, that's the thing because, uh, well, that's one of those other things too where people start it and apparently they don't stop. Mm-hmm. But if you're one of those plastic surgeons, those kind of doctors, you have, I was going to say freedom, but literally license to tell people how, what is wrong with them. Yeah. What, 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 not wrong with them medically, but what is just wrong with them physically, everything, probably stuff that you don't even think about. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to point it out with a, with a, like a marker on your face yeah. and your body, right? Yeah. They put like a marker and they kind of show you like what they can do and what you would be, you know, what you would, you would be doing, what, how much it would cost and, and how much it would improve your life. And then they show you a bunch of pictures of before and afters of people. And then, you know, it's it's very much like kind of you're they're preying on your own insecurities about kind of being a human being, mm-hmm. but also, um, and, uh, you know, kind of preying on a lot of like basic fears. Like if I don't do this, then I'm going to just not, you know, not be able to continue in whatever as as me or I don't know. It's a very, it's a very scary process. Well, but it's so out of hand now. You see these people that don't look. They don't look natural anymore. Right. People don't. They really do look plastic. I, right. I, I, I'm sure that's where it's come from. But it's it's so plastic now. Mm-hmm. These when you see Kenny Rogers or something like that, and I guess that's all the injections and the whatever and uh, and people's faces. They they. It's like the faces grow bigger. Right. Like they're wearing some kind of a foam mask over it or something. But I know. it's just it's just but everything even um to the extreme of like I was down in Florida and I saw this woman that was so tanned, like beyond beyond belief tanned. Yeah. That and she had this like shock of like um, kind of uh, yellowish hair and she, her face was so brown and wrinkled and she looked like a she looked like a leather scarecrow. <laughs> It looked like oh, no. it looked like it just looked like with the hair and everything, and and it was just looked so ridiculous. But people yeah. just, I mean, you know, I've reached that point, you know, where you see some people reach an age where you go, well, this is what I look like, and I guess I'm cool with it. I mean, there's yeah. things I wish I could change, but I would never do anything cosmetically. And as a guy, you say that, well, you know, well, most men maybe don't, but there's so many of them do. Yes. But I guess a lot of women they just want to do so much. But how do you not? Even from the, not the cosmetic, but like being tanned so much. Yes. Like that, that tan woman, that mother that was in oh. the news last year, that was basically, that was almost, she looked like she was wearing blackface. Yes, yes. How do you not look in the mirror and go, fuck me, I went a bit too far on this one. It's what, crazy. What is wrong with people where they don't see that or it doesn't register like, holy shit, I look horrible. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that maybe they feel like this gives them value, that, that this, 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 the, the, the act of it is somehow comforting. Maybe it's a little bit of an OCD thing. Like you get, yeah. you start repetitive, you know, this behavior that's repetitive and they just get something out of it. I'm not sure. Tanning is weird though. Cause I never think any of it looks good. I, I mean, I, I and, and it's, it's, it's sort of a weird thing. I mean, they, they have like, it just kind of looks weird and like orange and mm-hmm. it's never really natural. And even if you tan a lot, it just seems like it's bad for your skin, which it is. It is. Yeah. And, either um, either in know. the sun or in a tanning bed or, it Maybe the sprays me. and all that stuff. Yeah, you see these people now who are orange and it's so bizarre. Yeah, but it's just, very fashionable for some reason. But yeah, but it's just it's just so weird that, that people do that. Could you ever, would, would you ever think of plastic surgery of any kind or are you just happy to um, go as it goes? I, I want to just go as it goes. I don't think I could do it just because I would just feel so weird. 
you know, like I would just feel so like, oh, this is kind of hopeless. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. Also, you know, you can't move your face, yeah, you know, which is right. really scary too. But then also th- that's such a common thing for actresses of my age, you know, 40s and above, you know, 44 and above. They uh, are doing these, these weird like injectables that make their faces really motionless. And I can see if I'm acting with one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I fucking can't see what you're <laughs> expressing. I can't, I can't work with this because there's nothing happening, right? Yeah. It's just this blank, might as well just be some CGI thing. <laughs> some it's creature weird. they're going to put in. Well, yeah, we'll put the emotion in afterwards in yeah. post. Well, you have to act so much harder if you don't have that that facial musculature to work with, you know. So, but that it's so common that, and I'm like, well, I don't see a difference though. I mean, wrinkles to me are not unattractive. They're not something that really marks a person as, as aged or anything. They just seem to just sort of be like where your face tends to fall. It, it's not yeah. a negative thing, and I don't know if youth is such a great thing either. Why is youth so valued as as being? Um, I don't know, better or I, I don't think of the experience as better, but I think it would be kind of fucking exciting to have a whole brand new face. I mean, that, that just that, <laughs> right? that, the weirdness of it. Like if I did, if I did anything, I would have to do it all the way and just get my whole head completely changed. Right. Like if I did one thing, I think I would not be happy with it. I would have to go really do something really strange. Like get like ribs removed mm-hmm. and just do weird, um, really, really weird stuff. Well, what about um, even, you know, you with, with the tattoos, what about, what do you think when you see people with their faces tattooed? Because obviously you oh. haven't gone that far no. yet and maybe it's because of work. Yeah. Or maybe it's because you're just not that <laughs> person that wants tattoos all over their face. But when you see that, I mean, I guess that's a commitment to, yeah, you know, I tattooed my whole face. Yeah. But you sort of remove yourself from, and maybe maybe they already are because that's their sort of their lifestyle and their personality. And I, and I don't put anything down or I'm not against it. But to me, it's just, uh, I, if I was going to get a tattoo, which I have not, it was not, it's not going on the face. No, no. But that just seems such an extreme sort of like, I mean, I mean when they've got most of the face covered. Right, up, it's right. It's kind of. It's, it's intense. I mean, I, I, I've seen it where it can be really beautiful. Yeah. And I've seen it where it really looks right on the person that they, they absolutely should have done that, 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 that really belong there. And then I've seen it like, what the fucking, but there's some people that you go, Oh, that kind of makes sense. Like Mike Tyson. That totally makes sense. His face tattoo. Well, given his personality. Yeah. yeah it sort of makes sense. I'm like, you with know, that past? looks right. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. his past yeah. and like what, what he looks like and what he is and his persona. I'm like, that's appropriate, you know? And that's not so, weird like it's not such a strange thing so i kind of i've always maybe I've, in a way i've always seen it on his face and it's never it's just never <laughs> you, appeared you just now. knew what he needed yeah he needed that <laughs> claw thing on the side of his face yes. it's like but it's never thought you've never thought about that you never thought yeah get some real estate up here we could do something with this no um, but only because um of work that's really the only thing that stops me from getting anything on my neck or yeah. um on my face is because of work isn't I don't know. I mean, I, maybe I'm judgy now, but neck has some kind of connotation, though, doesn't it? Well, neck is very criminal. Like that's really like gangster. Like if yeah, you have yeah, one yeah. on your neck, yeah. it's really it's it's pretty hardcore. Because that's a, I think it's actually worse than your face. Because in the face, it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of cute. Like it's kind of D- depends on the face and yeah, the design. The yeah, right. You know, yeah. it, and it can become a com- comical. And kind of ridiculous, but the neck is really like that's like you just, <laughs> yeah. you're just really hardcore. You never exactly know when I'm gonna stab you. 
that's what neck tattoo says to me yeah. you know the mystery of you know you could be you could be uh, mutilated at some point <laughs> if should i decide that's what this says here you know but it's, it's just, beautiful it's just, though, it, too. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if it, I guess if it's done properly. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but to me, it's like doing the face. You're that sort of person where you don't live that normalish sort of life that other people have. So you can do that. Yeah. It's not like yeah. you're going, oh, I've got to go down to Best Buy now and put in an application. Because uh, you know things are things are you know different for me now. But you know you're not that guy. No, no. You go do something else. No, it's true. Because you got the whole face tattooed. And you could be you could be in um in you know an extra in prison films. There's a yeah. Yeah, there's just, a lot of that. You're gonna be that guy. There's a lot. There's all these like ta- like I've worked with tattooed models before, mm-hmm. and they're all like um different people that have like face tattoos. One guy had um uh on his upper lip tattooed in the form of a mustache. I heart pussy. And it sounds like almost like it's a, a Greg Proops bit, but it's actually mm-hmm, true. He mm-hmm. had I heart pussy on his upper lip as a mustache. And you couldn't tell what it said because it was really looked like a mustache until you got really close to him. And then you realized that says I heart pussy. Wow. And um, he, I was asking him about it and he was so shy and so nervous to talk about it. He didn't really want to. He got all red. Really? And I mean, he had all these really incredibly explicit tattoos of sex and all these different things, you know, all over his body. But when I questioned him about it, he became so uh, embarrassed that I was like, that is really adorable. That <laughs> somebody that's so like... That's wild, though. Wild that, looking like that would be so embarrassed by the subject matter. But that's the thing, though. That, like, that's how he gets that side of him out. Yes. He can't talk about it or he's no. embarrassed about it or, or not embarrassed but shy about that, that part of his personality. But yes. he can put I heart pussy on his, <laughs> on his upper, upper lip. lip. But it was also so beautifully done. But you have to be that close to know, right? You have to really be close. I Does mean, underneath it say, if you can read this, thank a teacher <laughs> and a tattoo artist? That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but it's, uh, I guess it's, I guess it's too, it's just, it's just, it's that, it's expression. But, you know, expression used to be you would do something, you would wear something. Now it's you, you change something. Yes, yes. And it, and it is, it is a very big thing. But at the same time, when I first got tattooed, it was about 10 years now, uh, when I, when I started getting them, I realized, um, how little life I actually had left. You know, people were saying like, oh, you're going to have that for your whole life. But I'm, you know, at that point, I was in my late 30s. I was like, I, it's, I mean, I don't really have that much to go. You know, even if I do live up to like 100, that's still like most of it, most of the sort of the, the really rocking years are kind of behind me. So in a sense, mm-hmm. I, 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 I look at life a little bit differently, you know, a little bit, little bit like more fragile. And a little bit more like today is kind of when you get to do everything. Yeah. So tattooing is very appealing because it's really, well, it's going to be there forever, but then forever is pretty short, mm. I think. I mean, if you know how to live right. Exactly. Depends. <laughs> yeah, right. It just, yeah, it just depends on what you uh, put into it. But but have you ha- has your perspective changed? Because do you realize now, I think, I think sometimes I, I think other than, you know, there's some, a few aches and pains. I like this age better than some of the other ages. Yeah, I like. But this maybe age. it's because I'm here. Yeah, and doing. I like it. this age. No, I I think this age is really pretty calm. You know, I think compared to what I used to do, it's really very yeah, uh, right. calm <laughs> and and very sedate and um, really easy. 
you know, before I think things were a lot harder um, and I tried or I cared more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't you get to that point where you kind of know a little bit more or a lot Mm -hmm. more, you've done it, you've experienced it, and you also don't give a goddamn as much about stuff that doesn't matter like you did when you were younger. I I sometimes think, uh, you know, as somebody in my mid-40s, I see younger guys doing stuff and wearing things and and I I almost feel like the job of men my age is to is to tell these younger guys um point out when they're being a dick (laughs) it's it's like you're like the dick meter you know Uh like you almost wish that you could sometimes go up and go mate being a dick (laughs) take it take it from an older guy that can spot dick from you know that close yeah but you know it may not be appreciated if you went up and told them but even in your own mind you go that guy's a dick right now yeah. Either acting like a dick, look, looking like a dick. Yes. Just being a dick in general. Yes. But I don't know. I think I think there's all that, there's sort of like that thing, but just that it's that perspective of age where you can look over. Yeah, I think also there's a thing where you, um, where you think, oh, I've seen it all. I've seen yes. most of this. Yes. You've yes. seen it in cycles. Yeah. And that's where you realize like the people who are older than you at that time, they would just sort of have that look like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you'll, you'll you'll figure it out eventually. You know, <laughs> and but it's cool. but there is some. I mean, I, I do enjoy this age, um, maybe more than than the other age because I think you, I think you're better able to handle stuff. Right, for sure, for sure. I was thinking about you yesterday, and I was thinking that I know that when I met you, you had white pants on, and you still mm-hmm. just you, you just still <laughs> just don't don't believe me. But I remember exactly you had a black shirt with white polka dots with long sleeves. It was mm-hmm. buttoned down. Yeah. And then you had long hair. And then you also had, uh, you look exactly the same as you do now. <laughs> you had long hair. And you had white jeans on. And you would so dispute me. I know that you were wearing white jeans. I know. And that was the only time <laughs> I ever saw you wear those white jeans. It was the first time I met you. Yeah. That's so strange because I've never owned a pair of white jeans. Why did I see them on you? Then why did I... I, I, I would wear black jeans. At this This was 1991 at the Punchline yes. in San Francisco was yes. when we first met. Yeah. I was out visiting and maybe... I think I was working somewhere in the area and hanging out. I think I went to the Sunday night show. Um, it's funny too. I was thinking about too. Like, I know I went to that show. I think I just called up the club. Yeah. I said, I'm, I'm going to be in town. I want hey, the, the balls you have when you're that age. It's great. When you're 24. Of course. Yeah, I'm coming in from out of town. I'm going to, I think Tom Kenny told me who to call. Yeah. Um, Do you call Hutch? I called Hutch. Do you call- I called Hutch. <laughs> I'm coming in, you know, whatever. And he was cool. He's best. He was cool. Yeah, I called him up through the week. He said, I'm going to come out there in a couple of weeks. But, you know, you don't think about Now I would go, oh, I'd never call somebody and say, I'm going to come in and do something. But back then, I think back then it was like, it was like a, a different era as well. Yeah. That you could kind of do that. Yeah. But I know, I know I met you and, um, but you've, you've maintained for all this time that I had white jeans on, which I, I've never, ever owned any white jeans. No. I'll cop to the polka dot shirt. You remember the shirt? Oh yeah. Well, that was you know that was sort of the fashion of the time too. You know. Oh, that but was great. It was it perfect nineties um, fashion. It was. You know really what it perfect. is. You know what it is in the um in the um um in the in the at that time the the LP the album the box set of Biograph by Dylan. Mm-hmm. There's a picture of him in there from about 1965 wearing a polka dot shirt, and I went, uh, oh, that looks good. And it was black and white. Uh-huh. So I think it might have been a red one. But 
I found a black and a black and white one. So and Elvis Costello was wearing polka dots. At oh, that I point. loved it. So I was like, yeah, you know, it's nineteen ninety one. I'll wear some polka dots, <laughs> but I've never had any white any white jeans. Maybe they were canvas. They were, yeah. Maybe no, they were they beige. Were, well, they were definitely black <laughs> jeans, but I'm not going to argue over I know. It. I'm I, just, I'm just going to say right categorically right now, uh, yeah, they were white jeans. In my mind, I I'm see I'm just going to give in. Why do I see it? I don't, I think, I don't know. That was, that was the <laughs> image. My memories bleached out your jeans. That's what it is. It's just washed it out. Memory has a way of washing out jeans. Yeah, and making them white. <laughs> <laughs> Now that I, now that I, I mean, you know, now that I know you, I, I couldn't even imagine you um, in white jeans except for that one time. That one, that one night. That one night. But um, it, I, I even remember the belt. The belt was like a square metal buckle. Probably, yeah. Yeah. The belt was like, uh, you know, this it was like a metal square. Uh, maybe it was brass. And the, <laughs> I just remember so much in your long hair. Mm. Yeah, well, the long hair was definitely there. That's that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny when you look back and you see those pictures. Somebody just sent me a picture today, which I, I mean, I have a copy of it, but uh, Lynn Shawcroft just sent me a picture that she found. She was looking, she said she was looking in a box of pictures and she found a picture of me with Bill Hicks. Oh. And she doesn't know how she has it. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, Mitch Hedberg used to stay at, at our place in San Francisco when mm-hmm. I lived with Kevin Karaoke yeah. and Brian Mallow. And I probably just gave Mitch a copy of it. Yeah. And it's, it, she, you know, she's ended up with it now in a box. But yeah, I had the long hair down to, you know, my mid waist. Because I think when you're, what, 23, that's what you do. It's beautiful. You grow your hair out long. You rock and you go, roll. Oh, there you go. But you look back now and you go, what a wanker. No, you are beautiful. <laughs> you know beautiful I mean? then and beautiful now. <laughs> in, my, in my white jeans. In your white jeans. Well, thank you so much, Jim. This has been... Uh, our wonderful uh, getting back to back to basics yes. with our uh, Monsters of Talk podcast. And um, we'll have more guests, but you can listen to us always on SoundCloud and you can listen to us on, on iTunes. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, you can tweet at us at Monsters of Talk. You can also tweet at me, at Margaret Cho, and at Jim. At Jimmy Shelter. Yes. And uh, we will be back next week. We are Mondays as always. Um, you can listen to a new podcast um please tweet please listen please subscribe please tell your friends we're catching on things are catching on yeah it's happening it's happening it's happening so we're doing really well thanks for listening